So are you a glass half empty person or a glass half full? Isn't that the stupidest thing you've ever heard in your life? That if you see this glass, like, if you see it as half full, you're like the eternal optimist. If you see it as half empty, you're a cranky curmudgeon. I don't know what that means. If I'm thirsty, like, I just see water. So we like to do things pretty simple around here. So let me, let me just ask you a, a different question. Like this, this glass, is this, is this full or is this empty? That's a pretty simple question, right? This is an empty glass. Let me see if you can go two for two. Is this glass still empty or is this glass now full? Thank you. So we're going through the book of John. And at this section, in this section of John, Jesus, the way he speaks, it's like he offers us a choice, this or that, follow him or reject him. And as human beings, we love to live in the fuzzy gray area, that middle section. But sometimes with some of the things Jesus teaches, it's more absolute than that. It is this or it is that. This morning, we're going to be in John chapter 10. And Jesus is going to present us with another one of those choices. He's going to say, you can have a life that is empty. Yeah, you can fill it up with stuff. You can try and cram things in there and make it feel full. But at the end of the day, ultimately, it's, it's empty. Or you can have a life that is full. And we're going to talk about the life that is full that Jesus offers and, and what that looks like. And I think I keep having to remember about Jesus that, you know, he doesn't force himself on us. It's always an invitation. And he never offers us a sales pitch. He just goes, look, here, here are your choices. You can follow me. You can reject me. And it's not like this pathetic kid going, pick me, pick me. It's just Jesus going, you can have an empty life or you can have a full life. And it's just an invitation to follow him. So John chapter 10, let's talk about what this full life is that Jesus offers. You're going to have to dive into this a little bit with me. It's a little heavier. We're only going to look at a few verses today, but this imagery, this passage that Jesus uses, this imagery, this metaphor of a shepherd and sheep. Now, like, admittedly, I know nothing about sheep or sheep herding or anything like that, okay? So we're going to work through this together, and I'll do my best to try and explain this picture that he's giving us. But last week we looked at chapter 9, and I say that because chapter 9 into chapter 10, it's all the same scene. There's, there's no break there. What has happened is Jesus has healed a blind man but he did it on the Sabbath. And so the Pharisees are like, how dare you do that? Because they're totally controlled by rules and these man-made, this man-made religion that they've come up with. And it's not exciting for them that Jesus has done this because it breaks their little rules. And Jesus is like, I gave sight to a blind person. I thought you would be excited, but they just can't get there. So the interaction that Jesus is having with the Pharisees is, it's pretty tense. They're kind of butting heads. And so as we go into chapter 10, they're still into the middle, in the middle of this, um, this tense conversation. Let's read it, starting in verse 1. Jesus speaking. He says, Very truly, 
I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. So, kind of cool, they had these sheep pens, and they were community sheep pens. It wasn't like each shepherd had their own pen. They would share. Maybe four or five shepherds would share one sheep pen. And typically, they would just, they might be this big circular kind of pen. Sometimes they were just a cave. A lot of times, they were a long rectangle kind of pen. And they'd have high walls. They were stacked high with stones so that animals couldn't get in and attack the sheep. They would keep the sheep safe inside. Nothing could get in to get them. And the shepherds would all, they'd all pitch in a little bit of money and they would hire one person as their gatekeeper. They would share this, this gatekeeper who would sleep in front of the gate to protect these sheep. And then the shepherd, they could go and get dinner and, and sleep for the night and their sheep would be safe. Then in the morning they would go back, they would pick up their sheep and go back to doing whatever it is shepherds do. So let me just cut through the metaphor. Let me just open up the analogy here. Here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying that he is the shepherd and his people, in this case the Jewish people, but he really extends the invitation to us as well. He is the shepherd, we are his sheep. And what happened is in the morning, the, the shepherds would come to get to pick up their sheep, and the gatekeeper would open up the gate, and the shepherds would stand out front, and they would call for their sheep. Now, their sheep knew them so well, they recognized their voice. And so if they heard their shepherd call, they'd you know, probably get in a single file line, nice and perfect, and they'd go out, and they'd be in this little herd. That's what they would do. They heard his voice, they went to him. If they heard another shepherd's voice, they wouldn't come out. In fact, they would actually retreat to the back of the pen because it would scare them until their shepherd called them. And then, just by the sound of his voice, they would come out, they'd line up, they'd be a little herd there. Like, isn't that impressive? Like, I can't even get my dog to stay off the couch. These people are rounding up sheep with just a few words. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying the shepherd is here. You Pharisees, you, you can stay in the sheep pen. You can keep living the way you are living by your rules, by your standards. You can keep doing all that. But if you stay in the sheep pen, you will die. There is no food or water in the sheep pen. But if you will follow me, I will bring you out and I will give you life. Let me read a little bit further, and then we're going to dig into this some more. Verse 7. Therefore, Jesus said again, just a little hint when you're reading your Bible, 
You see the word therefore? You gotta ask yourself a really simple question. You ask yourself, what's the therefore, therefore? Because it's asking you to look backwards. It's saying, look at what, I, look at what was just written. Look at what I just read. And that's why what you're about to read is gonna happen. So that's what's going on here. The Pharisees didn't get the first example. So Jesus is going to give them a different example. He's going to explain it a different way. Therefore, Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and they will go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So the first analogy we get, Jesus goes, I am the shepherd. They didn't really understand that. He goes, okay, let me explain it a different way. Let me give it to you in a different context. You might get this. I'm the gate. What is a gate for? A gate offers protection, right? You're safe if you're on the other side of a gate. Gate also offers freedom. When that gate is open, you can, come, you can come and go. So he gives these two analogies. Now here's the thing. This really isn't about the analogies. The shepherd and the gate thing, that's not really the point of what he's saying. He really uses those so that he can get to verse 10. Both of those are pointing to verse 10. Let me read it for you again. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So go back to our, our, our glass here. Jesus says, there is one way of life. You can, you can live this way. This is a life of destruction. It's stolen joy and peace. And it ultimately, it will leave you empty. You could try and fill that life up with a bunch of stuff, but it's going to leave you empty. Or there is another kind of life. It's the life that I offer, and it's full. And it's refreshment. It's life. But before you choose which one you want, he gives us the picture of the shepherd. Before you decide whether you want the empty life or the full life, he's like, let me tell you a couple things because I want you to understand what it is because maybe your idea of a full life is not the same as my idea of what a full life is. So, so let, me, let me explain to you what it is that I offer. And he gives us the shepherd example to follow. So just looking at this passage, there's a couple things that stand out to me about this shepherd relationship that I want to point out to you. So if you want to jot these down, if you want to, if I had my Bible in front of me, highlight them, circle them, whatever. There's a couple things that I notice here. Before Jesus says, choose between this empty life or the full life, he's like, let me paint a picture of what I offer. And so there's just a couple things that stand out to me that I, I want to show you. The first one, the first thing I notice about following Jesus is that Jesus knows my name. So verse 3, Jesus calls his sheep by name. So get the picture. The, the, the shepherd goes to the pen in the morning. And he doesn't just go and go like, hey, sheep. He, he, no, he goes, hey, 
tiny, hey fatty, hey wooly, hey lamb chop, whatever you name a sheep. <laughs> whatever you call a sheep, I don't know, but that's, he calls them by name. Jesus, Jesus knows us by name. That's incredible to me. So anthropologists say that about 100 billion people have walked on planet Earth. 100 billion people. Like that makes me feel so small and insignificant. And yet the one who made it all, the one who made all of those people in the very ground that we walk on, he knows us by name. He knows each of us and our name. Oh, that's cool. Because think about it. Say you meet somebody who you're kind of impressed by. You're over here, you're at Walmart, and they're buying bananas as Carson Wentz. And you're like, oh my gosh, that is so cool. What are you going to do? Like you run over to the clothing aisle, and you get, a, you get an Eagles jersey, right? And you bring it over, and you're like, will you sign this for me? And he signs it for you. And you're like, take a selfie with him. And it's awesome. Does he have any idea who you are? No. He doesn't care. It's cool for you. He doesn't know who you are. But Jesus knows each of us by name. He knows everything about you. And he calls you by your name. And that is love because to be known is love. Maybe sometimes he whispers your name. And you hear it in your soul. And when you hear it, it's as loud as thunder. And you know he knows you. I think that's incredible. That stands out to me. Something else that stands out to me is that Jesus goes before me. This is part of the shepherd relationship. Verse 4, the shepherd leads his sheep out of the pen and he goes before them. What does that mean? It means that as we go through life, as we arrive at an event or at a stage, Jesus is already there and he's waiting. So that crisis that you bumped into this week, that doctor's appointment that you had that didn't go very good, that new assignment at work that you got that you don't know how you're going to handle it, Jesus was not surprised by any of that. In fact, he was there in that moment waiting to walk with you through whatever it is. I love that idea that he's never surprised. That whether something happens that is big or small, whether it's something that's worth celebrating, whether it's something that drives us to our knees in tears, that Jesus is there to walk with us. And it's not just a casual, hey, I'm there for you. No, Jesus says, I'm here with you and I want to walk with you and I've been waiting here to hold your hand and go to the other side. It's incredible. It's part of what it is to be God, is to know that, to never be surprised, to know what's coming. In the Old Testament, there's a story in Isaiah where the people are worshiping idols. And God is like, okay, fine, bring your idols. Let's see what they're all about. Bring your idols to me. Okay, let's see. Can they tell us the future? And he's kind of like mocking the whole idea because to be God is to never be surprised by what's coming. And that's the Jesus that we follow who's never surprised, who's already in tomorrow. Okay, one more thing I noticed, and then we'll get to verse 10. And maybe this week you just go back and read this passage 
and just slow down in it because the imagery of shepherd and sheep is incredible and I'm so thankful that Jesus didn't, never said, I'm the leader or I'm the CEO or some official kind of cold term. He goes, no, no, I'm the shepherd and you're my sheep and we know each other and we walk together and we're close and you know my voice and I call you by name. It's so warm and loving, I love that. One more thing is that Jesus gives my life purpose. So verse 9, his sheep, it says his sheep come in and they go out and they find pasture. Do you know what the entire purpose of a sheep's existence is? It's to find pasture. Everything that a sheep is created for, to make wool, to make milk, to be meat, what do they need? They got to eat. They need pasture. A shepherd takes his sheep to pasture. When we follow Jesus, he gives purpose to our life. In fact, he takes us to the purpose that God created us for. And it might not look like what we hope it was, would look like, and it might not be in, in the time frame we wanted, but he walks us to our purpose. Okay, so he says all of that so that he can get us to verse 10. He goes, before I tell you, about this full life. Before I offer it to you, let me tell you about it. It's not a sales pitch. It's just an invitation. Here's what it looks like if you want to come and follow me. I'm a shepherd that knows your name. The creator of the universe knows your name. I'm, I'm a shepherd that, that goes in front of you. See, you think your story is all over, but Jesus is still writing it, and he's a chapter or two ahead of you. And I'm a shepherd, he says, I'm a shepherd that gives your life purpose. And it's all just background to get us to verse 10. Let me read it again. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So this is your, this is your life. This glass, let's say this is your life. When I think of a full glass, I'm going to go to the sink, I'm going to get a glass of water. Like, that's what I have in mind. That's a pretty full glass. Like, that would, that's a pretty full life. If my life was that full, I'd feel pretty good about it. Maybe it's, though, it's like a, it's a hot day and, you know, I want a little bit more. I might fill it up a little bit more. Maybe it's like I've been working in the yard and I'm just totally parched. And like, let's, I'm, I need like a full glass of water. Like, that is a full glass of water. Like if that is my life, that, that's a full life. Like I can sign up for that. That's real meaning and, and I'm full of all kinds of, all kinds of great stuff there. That's, that's good stuff, except that's not what this passage says. We've lost a little something in the translation because the word that Jesus uses for full is this Greek word perisos and it doesn't just mean full. It means literally beyond full, beyond what is necessary, exceeding what is needed. It literally means overflowing. This is what he actually offers. And that is the full abundant life that is overflowing. And he goes, oh, as you go along, you want a little more joy? Okay, I give you a little more joy. Is that what you wanted? You want a little more peace? Well, all right, I give you a little more peace. 
You need patience and kindness? I got some of that. You want a little bit more? I'll just keep. And what happens is he fills it so full, it's bursting at the seams and it spills on everybody else. That is the life that Christ wants to offer you. That is the choice that he gives us. You can have this life. I mean, you could do a lot with this. You could put whatever you want in there, really. But at the end of the day, there's nothing to it. It's empty. Or Jesus is inviting us to have this kind of life that is overflowing. But it kind of begs the question. I'm a skeptic, so it kind of begs the question. Why don't we all choose this? Like, why doesn't the whole world just, like, sign me up for that? And maybe, maybe if you're a Christ follower, you're thinking, well, why don't I feel like that all the time? Why do I wake up in the morning and I don't, I don't jump out of bed bursting with joy, overflowing with goodness and kindness? To be honest, a lot of days I feel like this. What's going on? What's, what's the disconnect? Why do I feel empty? Well, Jesus answers that. He answers it multiple times. He answers it in verse 1. He answers it in verse 8. He answers it again in verse 10. He says, you see, there's a thief. And the thief is a con man. See, the whole world, we're being conned into thinking that this is the same as this. And do you know who the thief is? You might think, oh, it's, it's Satan. No, not, not here, it's not, not in the context of what Jesus is saying. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and he says, the thief, what is stealing your joy, what is sucking the life out of you? It's religion. It's man-made rules and human expectations. That's, that's what leaves you empty. It's that burden. He goes, but I've come to give you full life. So as we process that, do we have man-made rules and expectations? Do we have self-created things that we try and put in our life to give us satisfaction that we think are going to fill our cup to the top? Of course we do. We invent stuff all the time. Maybe, maybe for some of us, it, it is. We're like the Pharisees. It's religion. What's going to make me happy? What's going to satisfy me is my tradition or my baptism or going to church. That should be enough. You know, for me, if this is my life, what I've tried to fill my life up with at times is work. It's making money. For other people, maybe it's, maybe it's the picture-perfect family. That would give you purpose. That would give you full joy, completeness. If you go to Target and, you know, you get the picture frame with the stock photo in there, they look so good, don't they? Whatever they have, if you could just have that and you could put it in here, that would be a full life, right? But what Jesus is telling us and what we know to be true in our hearts is that you can fill it up with whatever you want, but unless it's filled up with Jesus it's going to leave us empty. Like only Jesus is the shepherd that can lead us to life. So I want you to just listen to something. I want to read something for you. Part of Psalm 23. Don't turn there in your Bible. Just listen. Maybe you want to just 
close your eyes and really hear. Because listen to the picture of a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Do you, do you go to Jesus for rest? When you're exhausted, when you're at the end of your rope, you, like, I can't handle any more. Where do you go for rest? Do you go to Jesus? Or is there someplace else? Do you turn to social media? Do you overeat? Do you drink away your problem? Do you lean into to work? Because if I work a little harder, I make a little more money, I get that next promotion, then I will have purpose, then I can rest. So you can fill your life up with that stuff and it'll make you feel full for a while, but eventually you're gonna realize you're empty unless you've filled your life with Jesus because rest is only found in him. He leads me beside quiet waters. Where do you go when you're overwhelmed? Do you run to Jesus? Do you go to God's word? You know, the apostle Paul says, in Philippians, he says, the peace of God, the peace that God offers, it is beyond our understanding. Like our human brains can't even fathom it. It's greater than anything we could imagine. Where do you go for peace? He refreshes my soul. What fills your glass up? What gives you life? And if you're here and you're like, hey, I run to Jesus on everything. He's filled my life up. It's awesome. Good. That's awesome for you. This isn't for you. We're glad you're here. But man, if you've been trying to fill your life up with other stuff, I got to tell you, there's a better way. The way is Jesus. And you keep filling it up. He wants to give you purpose. He wants to call you by name. He wants to lead you and go before you. He wants to be what fills up your life. And you can have that. He simply says, follow me, and you can have it all today. But my sense is there are a lot of us that, you know, you've, you've put your faith in Jesus. We've trusted Jesus. We've said yes to him. We are Christ followers. In the drop-down box, we select Christian every time. But lately, lately we've been running to other stuff. And it's left us feeling kind of empty. Can I remind you that there is someone who knows your name? His name is Jesus. Let me introduce you to him. He calls you by your name. He goes before you. He gives your life meaning and purpose. And if today you will just say to him, God, fill me up, he will. Why would we accept 
this, when we can have this, why would we take empty a life of stolen joy when we can have a life that is full? The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and even all of this have life to the full. Let me pray. God, I thank you that you are the one who gives life and it's not just a little bit of life, it is abundant, overflowing life. Overflowing in peace and patience and gentleness and kindness and humility and joy and purpose. God, if we've sought those things anywhere else, in our work or in our relationship or in money or sex or the picture-perfect family or whatever it is, God, and in, in your space, those in the right place are all good things, but God, if we've sought our joy there and our meaning there and our life there, God, we confess that and we repent of that and we want to come running to Jesus and say, fill up our life overflow our life. Give us what is beyond expected, what exceeds our expectations. God, we don't want to feel empty anymore. We want to feel full. And we believe that your son, Jesus Christ, is the one who fills us up. Fill us up today, even right now, God. Fill us up with life. Thank you for Jesus who made good on your promise to give us life by giving his own life. It's in his name we pray, amen.